Welcome back to a brand new episode of Learning As I Go and I am thrilled to announce today I'm going to be joined by the incredible Nadia Forburn who you might know off Instagram. She's very well known for being a mum but not just any mum. She is the mother of triplets and on today's podcast she's going to be talking about the whole process, the feeling that she had inside before she even knew that she was having triplets and how it kind of all unfolded. And trust me, this is gonna be a special episode. For anybody who might be triggered, she does talk about some difficult issues around the pregnancy, so please just be aware. But get ready to learn another life lesson and introducing Nadia Forburn. So I am super excited for this podcast and I feel like right now I need your energy, Nadia, because I feel like every time we talk, it's almost like a therapy session, but like a good therapy session because you've just got the best energy. And Oh, thank you so much. But I just feel like in a world, for example, of social media where it can just be a highlight reel, it can be kind of just the best parts of life. I feel like you give people the reality that they need, but in a way that's kind of like, oh, I can relate to that. Obviously, you are probably best known for being a mum, but not just a mum of one beautiful baby boy, Mason, but three triplets as well. Yes. Um, so let's talk about that. So what's it like oh. being a mum? And it's almost, I don't know, it's like, did you ever mean, not, not ever mean to be a mum, but like, was that ever the plan for you to be sort of this empowered mum of life? Absolutely not. Um, although I'm so grateful and thank you for everything you just said as well. Um, obviously, I'm super grateful to have four healthy, um, happy children, but it was never part of my plan. Um, Wait a second. When you just said that then for like, when you sat in front of me, like you're such a small, petite lady, like <laughs> the fact that you've had like four kids, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. Yeah. It's like sometimes I do feel almost disconnected from my story and my life because I cannot believe this has happened for me um it definitely it's like such a unique experience I could never have predicted would happen you know we had baby number one Mason come along and that was amazing and then I mean hard hard work I mean the shock to the system I think having your first child, I mean, I had this idea of how parenthood would be and how I would be as a mum. And the reality can often be so different. You know, the sork doesn't hand the baby down and the clouds and the music playing. Oh, <laughs> it's very, very different. And I think that transition, I found shockingly really difficult. So that was hard. Being a first time mum, I think, shocked me on so many levels. Sleep deprivation, the changes to my body, the changes to my relationship. And I suppose like my relationship to everything in my life changed because now Mason was the priority. Um, when you say it shocked you, for example, like because both my brothers, for example, have got kids. Yeah. And if ever you're around kids and, and people have got like their own families, you see straight away how difficult it is. But did you not maybe have that kind of insight before you had Mason? No. Did you, have you ever got other brothers and sisters or any other family members who've got I've like kids? Got younger brothers, but I was the first to have a baby and... Um, not many of my friends had babies at the time either. So for me, 
you know, I just I just kind of expected that I would take it in my stride, which I did. But I think behind closed doors at that time, it, it was very different. The realities of sleep deprivation, you know, pressure, you're just in a constant state of high alert. And I think that can be so exhausting. I would say at that time, six years ago, there wasn't a lot of people talking about how difficult parenthood was, the transition from sort of going through your life as you do to then suddenly having, you know, this child who's, you know, fully dependent on you. And it can be scary sometimes. And I think back then there wasn't sort of the advocates for support, as much support, I would say, as there is now. That's a good point to make. So, for example, obviously you've got this amazing social media following now and you've got like a real diehard audience who follow your every move. But were you documenting your story just when you had Mason or was it when the kind of, or was it when you obviously had um, the triplets that everything kind of escalated or were you actually still doing your story then just with Mason? Yeah, so with Mason, it was more of um, sort of just snippets, little pictures, stories, nothing, you know, too personal, I would say. Just your typical sort of, family and friends Instagram account then with makeup I started to use my Instagram to document like my makeup looks my journey things like that clients and that's why my Instagram started to grow so it was initially through my makeup career oh. that's how I started having a following so you've got this makeup career that's sort of taken off yeah and then you've got a beautiful baby boy and then you find out like let's talk me talk me for the <laughs> moment of like you think you're just gonna have another baby what was that process like for you like I said, this was completely natural, spontaneous triplets. We were lucky enough to fall pregnant without IVF. So and we have no history of multiples in either side of the family. So basically, when I fell pregnant, obviously we're all excited. Baby number two is on the way. This is great. And as my pregnancy, well, sort of I say as my pregnancy progressed, in a matter of days from sort of taking my test, I, my symptoms were so intense, like so intense to the next level. Like I'm talking the extreme fatigue was like nothing I've ever experienced on earth. Like I would go for a shower and I'd be so exhausted. I'd lie down on the bed after with my towel on and I'd fall fast asleep for hours after a full night's sleep. I felt like, you know, I had no energy to do anything. So I began to think I must be much further on than what I think. So I booked for a private test, a private scan, sorry, because I thought I don't want to rush the NHS for this 12-week scan that we all get. So I thought I'll take myself private just to like see if I am further on, then we maybe need to sort of get the scan brought forward from the mm. NHS. But anyway, went to the to the private scan and nothing showed up on in my womb. There was nothing. There was a sack, but nothing in it. Nothing showed up. So obviously I was extremely symptomatic of being pregnant. So they actually referred me straight to the hospital. So they thought or suspected an ectopic pregnancy because there was nothing in my womb, but I was so severely <laughs> pregnant. So nothing happened there. Said there's nothing, you'll need to come back. Like you, you don't have an ectopic pregnancy. So come back in a matter of weeks. So I went back again the next week. Nothing showed up again. They were like, you're just really early. I kept saying to them, how can I be feeling everything so much? My body's changing already. And, you know, we can't even see a dot on the screen. I'm so confused. So they kept running tests, nothing. Come back the next again week. And yeah, there was a little dot. So when does this happen though? Like, does this actually happen? Why so can't I was I was about three, I must have been about three weeks pregnant when I took the test and was extremely symptomatic. 
But I thought I was genuinely about two months with the way I felt. Wow. And like the bloating had already started. Like the changes were significant on the outside already. So I believed I was much further on. But they said, no, no, you're actually just really, really early. So again, they sent me away. But this time they sort of said, you know, we'll have you back in another week's time and we'll see if your pregnancy has progressed. Basically, it could have been like a miscarriage at that point. So I kind of left feeling like, you know, devastated. I think because I'd had Mason so effortlessly, um, I was so naive to like complications and things that can happen that I just genuinely thought this, this one will be a breeze again. But the day after, I said to Liam, no, something major is happening in my body. We're having more than one baby. There's no Wait, way. So you felt that? Yeah. I started to piece together that there was no way I could feel things so intensely for it to just be a sort of miscarriage and my body was sort of holding on to it and making me believe that I was symptomatic. No, this was more. See, that's crazy. Like, obviously for a guy, I can't even comprehend it how a woman must feel just even mm-hmm. having one baby and knowing that you're, you're capable of creating life like that. So it's for the fact that you were so in tune to that feeling, mm-hmm. do you think that's something that just comes with like like an innate motherly feeling like you actually are so Absolutely. in tune with your body that you can feel those kind of emotions? Yeah, I think instantly without realising it, it was like I jumped into like protective mode of my children straight away. It was almost like they've almost told me to prepare that this might not happen. But inside, I was like, I know that my baby, well, babies, I knew, are in there and I'm going to protect them and I'm going to sort of make this happen. And so from, from then, I was admin. I told my friends, my family, everyone, I'm having more than one baby. I know it. This is why I'm feeling everything so much, so intensely, so deeply. We're having twins. And this is before you had a scan? Before. Before anything showed up more than a dot, I told. And do you know, it's funny because Liam, obviously he's seeing me be so exhausted. (laughs) And I remember him saying to me, won't mind me saying, but he said, you're not the only woman in the world to have a toddler to run about after while you're pregnant. You just have to get on with it. Like, I think he got to the point where he said you know we just yeah (laughs) very risky I wouldn't recommend it (laughs) but you know he was like come on like get up get on with it like you can do it like trying to be Mr Motivator but I was like no I genuinely can't I am floored but I know I'm carrying more than more than one child that leads me to a week later so obviously I've been looking up nothing but twin pregnancies, multiple pregnancies, scan photos, everything. So I've done my research and I said to Liam a million times, look at this, I tick every box for these symptoms. Like our babies are in there and this is happening. So I'll take you to the drive to the scan that revealed the triplets. We're in the car and I said to Liam, like, you know, we're just about to find out that we're going to have twins. And he's still rolling his eyes. He's still laughing. He's like, you're just so dramatic. And I was like, no, I'm just in tune with myself. That's like, I'm not dramatic. I just know myself. Then I said to him randomly, out of the blue, I had never crossed my mind on the way to the scan. I said, you know, all this time I'm talking about, you know, imagine we have twins, but imagine it's triplets. No way. On the way to the scan that revealed it. And I had, and I genuinely, even through looking at all the multiple things online, it had never even entered my head 
that I could have triplets. But yeah, on the way to the scan... It's like an intuition. Yeah. But Liam obviously laughed. He said, oh, of course, it couldn't just be twins. You'd have to go one further and, you know, be expecting triplets. Of course. But for some reason, I got really defensive. I said, well, Liam, it does happen to people, you know, people have triplets. I'd never met anyone, spoke to anyone, considered triplets. But I got so protective. So you're in the car on the way to your scan. Mm Mm-hmm. You have no inclination, even if you're having twins at this point, but you're already talking about having triplets. It's, it's, yeah. it's actually scary when you think about how powerful the human body is and, and that 100%. sort of motherly bond that you're already feeling before you've even yeah. found out. I just think it's mm-hmm. it's giving me like goosebumps thinking about it. And mm-hmm. also, obviously, I'm a twin as well, so there is something special about that connection. So go on, you, you go into this room and you get the news like how does that happen please document this for me because I feel like I need to be there (laughs) so obviously I'm a little bit you know I'm in a mood actually because Liam's dismissed the whole triplet idea (laughs) how can I be in a mood that Liam doesn't believe that we are having triplets (laughs) when I didn't even think of that and how could I possibly know so anyway I'm a bit but really it's obviously just the tension as well of what's about to come so we walk into the room sit down but I have like this sort of smile on my face I remember feeling like hmm we're about to to reveal the twins so I lie down and Liam's just like here we go I can't wait to find out that we're having one baby (laughs) and you've really have been dramatic so the second um the sonographer puts the jelly and the equipment to scan my stomach we look at the screen and straight away I see that there is so in my womb I could see that there was a split down the middle so because I've been looking up twin things all week scan pictures you name it straight away I hit Liam's leg with my hand I said and I remember saying I told you we were having more than one before the woman had even said anything and so the woman started smiling so then I just knew that we were having twins Liam was like do you know he just looked bewildered he was just like what and then he looked at her she's smiling she starts to nod but then she's like going round my stomach round my stomach my heart's racing and Liam's just like, I can't believe it. I can't believe it. I just remember him still like, what? What is even happening? But then the, the woman turned to Liam because um, he's saying, no way, no way, but smiling. The woman said to him, so dad, when you look for one heartbeat, you look for two. So I'm like, yes. And then she goes, and when you look for two heartbeats, and then, you know, we just literally turned. And she said, you look for three. And that was that moment where... I still remember like the emotion, that feeling of what even am I? Like I felt so, you know, inhumane. I felt so like, I don't know, this out of body experience where suddenly it was like, wow, I have three heartbeats in there. Like there's three babies and they're mine. And it was just complete shock. The first thing I felt was relief. I was like, wow, like last week I sort of had a moment where I thought that this was amounting to nothing and no baby was here and baby number two was lost in a moment. Then I was faced with, wow, Mason. I started crying because I thought his life is about to change forever. So my instant protection went to my firstborn. I didn't at that point think about what I was about to go through, what this meant, um not even the babies as such I wasn't even thinking but for Mason I thought there's one thing to have another sibling but to have three at once like I didn't even question if I could cope I just thought will he cope like how is he going to feel because this is going to demand so much of me as a mum so that was my initial 
upset and it was about him so um so yeah that instant relief and like joy that I was like yes I know like what's going on in my body and I felt really sort of affirmed within myself turned to fear for my relationship with Mason and my ability to be a mum to like all four of them followed wow um yeah like, I'm just blown away like first of all I just feel like now I know why everyone loves you because like <laughs> oh. that's what needs to be my oh. mum like you just you've got that such a maternal strength and like thank you it's crazy and it, it, it's weird like I was going to ask you, do you feel like you were born to be a mum? But now, like, speech, I'm like, yes. <laughs> like, literally, it's like, you can tell that like, you've just got this protective, like, Mother Earth feel about you. And even when you find out some amazing news, you were already thinking about what you already had to protect. Yeah. And I think sometimes, like, I mean, I can't even imagine, obviously, as a male, like, what is it like to have one child? But when you know you've got three babies growing inside yeah. of you, like, what's going on? Like, how do you... Do you feel a level of like serious responsibility straight away? Instantly, I felt this. Well, in the room, there was a lot of excitement, um, which was obviously really nice, but the reality of it was going to be very different. So, you know, it's very easy for everyone around you to be so excited because this is such a unique and rare occurrence, you know, um, we had people coming in the room to see the scan because people, you know, don't often see in that line of work. It's not something you see every day and not something that people will see in their lifetime of doing that career. So instantly it was very excitable. Can I ask um, you on that though? Yeah. What, what is the actual um, percentage and stuff? I'm guessing you know this about... I don't actually percent- know. Do you not know like... like- how many mothers of triplets are there in the UK? I have Googled it. Right, okay. Um, and I'm not the only one. I'm right. not the only one with this ability. Yeah. There are many incredible, like, triplet parents out there and mums who have absolutely smashed it, as well as having other kids too. Like, so there are, like, plenty of us to bounce off each other. I'm not alone. But, <laughs> um, but at that point, I did feel very, like, I mean, I've never met anyone. I don't know anyone that's had triplets. I don't even ask about life with triplets because it never crossed my mind. Um, so yeah it's very rare so instantly the momentum and the excitement and the wow like can you believe this Nadia the makeup artist from Edinburgh is having triplets and it was just very very intense but triplet pregnancies are high risk obviously there's lots going on in your body you know what your body can handle um, and obviously different things can happen so a couple days after I was called back into the hospital um, for a meeting, basically, um, with fetal medicine. And basically, the now obviously I don't want to trigger anyone, but as my journey, and I'm going to tell it as, you know, I've experienced it, I was sat down with Liam. We were offered fetal reduction, which is basically where you would abort one or two of your babies in that instance um, because it's such high risk. So ultimately, you know, the chances of all of them making it aren't 100%. So you're basically, in my position, I had twins inside one sack together and then one baby in another. And so the option was to sort of have one or two taken away to sort of give my pregnancy the best chance, and um, which is something that they have to offer because it is high risk to my body as well what I was going through I had three babies growing and I had two placentas as well so that's an enormous strain and that comes from a place of like medical care that that's offered 
instantly I just had this feeling of again protectiveness I sort of said like I'm not an overly a religious or you know spiritual person but at that point I said you know like I can't play God like I've been given these babies and their hearts are beating and they're mine and they're going to make it they'll they'll all be here and I really stood my ground I said we're going forward with this and of course they supported me the medical staff involved were incredible every step of the way but being the person to sort of choose to give your baby's life in a situation that's not natural at all and you're being offered to sort of don't know suspend things as they are just in case something may happen was really difficult it was such a pressure you know you've got all these medical professions telling you things that can happen but in my head in my heart and my gut my gut feeling was that everything's going to be fine I am going to get these babies here healthy and safe and we will all be fine it's weird when you say this because I'm trying to process why it feels different with three rather than just one do you know what I mean because obviously yeah. you hear stories that people who have to make that difficult decision of course. to not have a baby and yeah but I feel like I'm just trying to process it now and I feel like it's because there's three of them it's almost like they've created a bond yeah. already and it's like it's not about you it's about those three yes. like what they're gonna have they're and together in there exactly they're together in there and the life that they can live together mm-hmm. is gonna be well with the are living together mm-hmm. now obviously it's, it's just so special and I know that as, as a twin like you, yeah from the moment you come out you you, you share every moment together and you like obviously mm-hmm. the bond you get so I'm just trying to process it then why it was it felt different when you were describing it but it just feels like already you were protecting mm-hmm. their bond does that make sense a hundred percent thinking of them all in there I mean how does a mother pick mm. you know to say like how could I have picked yeah like we'll take the single like my singleton baby away to try and hold on to my other two babies or we'll take those two babies away to like you can't even comprehend that kind of decision and yeah it was it was it was a really tough day and but I knew I also had this like fire in me that was like we are going to do this like we are in this together all of us are getting out of this together (sighs) I just had a little flashback to like a Braveheart speech. Like, you just, honestly, when I'm sat here, she reminds me of like, <laughs> she reminds me of Mel Gibson in Braveheart. You may take our lives, yes. but you will never take our freedom. Sorry, You'll I just had to say it now. I had to get out there. But honestly, like, I'm just, I'm, I'm like hooked here. Like, I'm on like a roller coaster uh-huh. with you. It's a lot. So, you get the news, and I'm guessing there was a lot of back and forth about the risk and everything else. But let's get yes. to the point where. You know you're gonna have, like you said, you've got this fire in your belly, yes. literally, <laughs> and you know you're gonna have these these babies. Yeah. Like obviously, when you're having one baby, you've yeah. got to think about where they where they're gonna sleep yeah. and all, all the preparations. How did you prepare for that, and is it even possible to? I mean, I'm really lucky. Liam done a lot of preparation for me. I mean, like I said, my energy levels were at an all time low, so there wasn't actually an awful lot. The the triplet pregnancy, you're growing at such a rapid rate. And you've got all these other symptoms. So, I mean, I was pretty much out the game, out the loop of everything. I was still working. I was doing the weddings that I wouldn't give up. So I remember, like, there was a lot of weddings. I was really sick. I was, you know, really overwhelmed, struggling to stand. I mean, the weight of me by the end of it. But the weddings I never cancelled because I thought that's someone's special day. So I was still working where I could. um, But then... I was trying to just focus on Mason as much as possible and whether it was jigsaws, books, things that didn't require much from me but just enough to still feel close. Mm. Um, Liam, 
we, he organised um, the selling of our house, our home. You know, we moved, well, we had another home to move into. Like, he organised everything so that for these babies arriving, we would be in a bigger space and place to sort of welcome them. So he done incredible. I and can't take credit for that I'm part. I'm so, <laughs> like, glad that Liam's getting this kind of mention as well. And it's coming from just, like, from you, oh. like, without even me having to prod it, because I feel like... For someone in your position, it'd be quite, quite easy to go, well, I'm the hero in this story and everything oh, else. But for, to give him the credit that, that he deserves is amazing. Like Because sometimes we don't really see, from a, a dad's perspective, what it's yeah. like being part of that process. From the second we walked out of the scan that revealed the triplets, he was, and still is, like the biggest driving force in our family to be, you know, embrace every obstacle, opportunity. Every, like, he is such you know a motivational part of our family from the second we walked out you know I'm still obviously in so much shock as is he but he's saying can you imagine triplets like this is going to be amazing this is the making of us this is our calling and you know so many people over the years have said oh so what about you know dad's reaction did he run a mile and he was the opposite so having that support initially and him putting what I was about to go through first, putting what our kids needed, you know, around us first, helped me through it massively. That's such a pinnacle point of like my journey and where I am today and how I've handled everything with that support. And you talked about obviously being quite um, large at one point, like just to put it in perspective, like how much bigger were you potentially than other people having one baby or is it, is it a oh. massive difference I don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was massive really wow like I mean pregnancies come in all shapes and sizes I mean I was huge I was to put it in perspective with Mason I had a round bump but by the end of my triplet pregnancy the bump went out like a shelf it was long like I could have put a tree on there and it would lay flat and then the bump was at the end of it wow so it wasn't just like a round bump. It was, you know, it got so big, my stomach expanded to be almost like an Ikea shelf. And then the bump was at the end, hanging off the end of it. Wow. It was. It's, it's just crazy how the human body can kind of evolve. And I just, I, I'm just blown away by this whole sort of story because I just can't even relate in any way, shape or form yeah. to how you must have been feeling. And then, Let's let's fast forward then to obviously when you have the triplets, mm -hmm. the day that the day itself. What was that process like, and and how did it all kind of unfold? Well, I um, it was in the sort of beginning of December, so I was feeling a bit run down. Um, I was being scanned every single Monday at hospital. They were closely monitoring me. They were amazing, and. I went in for my scan and I said to um, my doctor, I, I really don't feel that well. Like I'm feeling a bit overwhelmed. I feel like my body's like starting to give up. I feel like the time is coming. But at this point, so we were on the 2nd of December and they had scheduled me a cesarean section for Boxing Day. And I said to her, I am not going to make it to Boxing Day and I'm scared it's going to turn into like an emergency cesarean and no one will be ready for this. But I know the time is coming. Now, luckily, I had a doctor that was so willing to just listen and take my lead on it. She said, look, you're in the process of moving house. You have 
you know, one child at home as well. Christmas is coming up. There's so much going on in your mind. Your body will be extremely tired. I'm going to admit you after the scan to stay overnight and you can just have a rest. So I said, okay, that would be great. Like I do just feel a bit on edge. So stayed in. Um, and I do remember Liam saying to me, like just looking at me and saying, you're not going to come home now until you've had the babies. And I felt that. I felt like he was really looking at me, not through like being Mr. Motivator. You can make it to Boxing Day. I just knew I wasn't going to hold on. And just to have him say, I believe you as well. Like you don't have to hold on that long because there was this Im immense pressure. I was only 32 weeks at that point. So not knowing how well your babies were going to come out if I went at any point was such, you know, it was so scary. So I stayed overnight the next morning the doctors come round, they said, we're actually not really in a rush for you to leave. Like, if you want to have an extra night here, we're happy to, you know, let you have the, the bed. So I said, yeah, I will stay, actually. I'm not feeling that great. So physio came round to sort of help me sort of move. And, like, my body was just under a lot of strain. So physio left. Liam visited me that night. It was about half past ten. He left. It was really dark outside. It was, like, cold outside. I remember opening the window and trying to, like, cool myself down. I was really hot. So the window was open and really randomly it got to about 11 o'clock and there was birds singing out my win outside my window at the hospital and they were so, so loud. And I remember recording them and sending to Liam saying like, why, are, why is there birds singing at this time of night? Like, I cannot sleep. I was like, I can't sleep. So I put Bridget Jones's diary on. <laughs> and I was just like watching that, trying to relax. And these birds were singing and it was getting louder and louder. You know, when you focus on a sound and you can't hear anything else. Imagine so, like a Lion King moment, like, yeah, ah, the Kenya. birds are getting ready. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I went to get up and I just felt a pop. And then it was just wet, like warm fluid from underneath me. My waters had broke. So completely on their own. I'd got up to shut the window to shut the birds noise out and my waters broke. So... Do you know, and it wasn't just like a little bit of water. When I say it was like gushing, mm. I mean, I just can't even believe that this amount of fluid was in there. So called the button and then, yeah, that was it. Crazy. They phoned Liam. They said, and I just remember the doctor coming in. I said, I'm only 32 weeks. So I do remember that panic. I'm only 32 weeks. Are my babies going to be okay? He said, you're having your babies tonight. That was all he said to me. You're having your babies tonight. They're coming. So Liam comes straight back to the hospital and yeah, it was all go. So just to put the maths into um, context for me, 32 weeks, how premature is that? So like two months, wow. two months early. Yeah. Wow. And were you kind of prepared for that or? I always knew that they would come early, but I had hoped that I would just hold on to like sort of another month. So that was where sort of my planned C-section was. And because of like the complications and the strain on your body and then the fact that there's not much room in there with so many babies and placenta, they do schedule, typically schedule these sort of high-risk pregnancies for earlier. So this was really hard because while everyone else was jumping about like the triplets are coming you know I was the only person at that point in Edinburgh expecting triplets so everyone in the hospital knew so it was just like you know the calls going out to every all departments these triplets are coming and it was very surreal but inside yeah like I, thinking back just the fear of what is about to happen have I like you know when you start thinking as well like have I made the right decision will they all be okay 
you start I started to doubt myself in the moment of like madness thinking like have I really done this to my best ability and you start questioning everything but yeah so what actually happens next then in terms of like you obviously I've never been part of it before (laughs) but you see that moment obviously in the films and stuff when baby comes out you've got a healthy baby boy or girl if not like is it literally just like one after the other? Like, how does that happen? Like, and who did you meet first? Oh, so basically my story took a bit of a turn. So initially with the planned section, I would have been awake throughout delivery. So I would have sort of had an inkling of what was going on. So as I was on my way to theatre, they were getting everything ready and that's how it was going to be. But then they noted that I'd had um, blood thinners put in my leg earlier that day because I was swelling up, a lot of pressure, and I was pretty much on bed rest. Mm. Um, So they'd given me blood thinners to prevent blood clots. So because I'd had the blood thinners, they actually couldn't keep me awake during the procedure, the caesarean section. So very last minute, it was just this big rush to say, okay, you actually now need to be put to sleep. So that again so scary wasn't expecting it even though I knew it was a possibility I was honestly the smiliest person you would never have known what was actually going on in my head I was so you know I just getting put to sleep I was thinking about Mason I was thinking what is going to what am I going to wake up to here like will I wake up started thinking like that it was so scary um so yeah of course I got put to sleep um Liam wasn't allowed to be in the room either because I was under. So he was out in the hall, literally just pacing the floor, thinking, what's happening to Nadia? How are they, like, how are my babies coming out? Like, he was in an unthinkable situation, not knowing what was happening. Even for the most positive person, like, that must have been hard. Like, at least I was none the wiser once I was asleep. So when you obviously got put to sleep and then, and then obviously you woke up again, like... What happened then? Was it like, were you past the babies or? Like, like I woke up and so there was like lights everywhere and I realised I was in hospital. And then I just, I was holding, um, Liam had come over, I was holding his hand. One of the nurses came over who I'd seen as my waters broke. She was amazing. So I was holding their hands and I was like, okay. And obviously I was still very sleepy. And I said, okay, I'm ready to have them now. She said, Nadia, you've already had them. They're here. They're born. And so even then, like at the time, I didn't process that part of it. But later down the line, which we can talk about in a bit, was the disconnection from, you know, I've carried these babies and I have no recollection or realisation that they're even here. So that for me, compared to my birth with Mason, you know, my labour with him was incredible giving birth to him naturally and all of that sort of feeling versus, you know, lying in a bed and then thinking, I've got three babies and I don't know where they are. I don't know what they look like. And all these people have looked at them before me. Are they okay? Like, what condition are they in? I had so many questions, but I was so in and out of sort of consciousness. I, like, could hardly string a sentence together. So, but Liam was really reassuring. He's like, they're doing amazing. They're, they're perfect. They're incredible. They were in the neonatal unit. So they were separated and put into their own incubators. So yeah, that was, that was a really difficult experience. I can't even imagine that. And I, I never even knew that that was part of your story in terms of, yeah. like you said, it, childbirth can be such a, a traumatic and, and, yeah. and beautiful experience in a way because it can obviously... Mm-hmm. It's a bond that you go through, but like you said, there was a massive disconnect between 
Was there a feeling of emptiness or...? Massively. I felt like... It's so hard to explain. Like, when I had Mason, I felt like I'd just become, you know, a mum and it, and it felt like the connection was really strong straight away. The maternal instinct kicked in. As much as this is the way it had to be, I felt like I was the one that had sort of protected the babies from the start. And then I've woken up and I, it felt like they'd been literally ripped out of me, like taken from me. And now they were in other people's care, like strangers' care. As a mum, that was so, so hard. Oh, I wanted them back and I, I even wanted them like back inside me. I wanted the pregnancy back so that I could be the one looking after them. So this was the beginning of such a difficult, incredible journey, but really difficult in the fact that like I wasn't in control anymore. And strangely enough, as much as it, you know, it was I was never really in control. It's all out of my control. But I felt like the protector from the start, I felt like I got them here and now... I wasn't able to look after them because they were too little, they were too premature and they needed time to mature. So talk, talk me through that process because obviously, and we touched on this before the podcast, that when you get placed into that situation, for example, um, with your baby's being in a neonatal unit, yes. and it's kind of such a, an unusual experience in like first yeah. time mums, not just you with like the, the triplets, but anyone who's anyone. put into that situation. You said that it's kind of, it's a really uneasy situation to be in that no one can ever be prepared for. And you feel like there should be more awareness raised around that process, right? Yeah, 100%. And I think what's hard about it is it is such a triggering topic. So there's such a fine line between so many people advocating for support for families going through it. I mean, it doesn't just affect, you know, the mother of the child and there it affects the parents. It affects the family at home who you know, are desperate to, to meet their new grand, like, children or, like, there's so many people that it affects. Um, and so there is, like, a fine line. There are people who advocate to talk about how difficult it is, but then there's so much sort of, it's such a tricky topic to talk about as well because it's upsetting. Mm. So I feel like there's still that, there's maybe still not enough. And I also think for people that go through it, it takes a lot longer than you think. I feel like I'm maybe getting to a point now where I can maybe just start to really talk about my journey properly. And the triplets will be three, you know, in a couple of months. So that's how long it kind of takes you to really process. Or me, at least, it took me that long. So, yeah, I feel like it's one of those things in the coming years, maybe people will start to really open up about it more. So obviously you, you met your babies for the first time. Yes. Um, what, what was that like? I need to know. <laughs> so, oh, like so surreal. So um, I've got videos of me and um, I couldn't walk. So I was wheeled into the neonatal unit in my hospital bed. Um, and yeah, one by one. I mean, it was so surreal. It was like, okay, so they took me to Carson first. So I remember coming in and everyone's watching and you're just... What, were people wheeled. all round, like, literally? No, but the, the neonatal unit right. has many babies in it. Oh, okay. So there's families of, you know, the other babies. So I'm wheeled in in this bed. I'm not just walking in like everyone else does. I'm wheeled in on an actual huge hospital bed, and I'm just taken. So this is Carson. Um, he was born first, and it was like, so seeing him, and I mean, he was tiny. I have never seen a baby this small in my life. They look so fragile, how much did they weigh? Um, so they were just around three pound each. Wow. So three pound. 
it was like looking at miracles. I mean, they are, but it was really like, wow, he's mine. And I was able to put my hand through like the holes in the incubators and like touch their hands or their backs. And it was just so I couldn't really see them properly either because they were sort of on their tummies and their heads were sort of, you know, they had their hats on and they had oxygen masks on as well. So it was it was very different experience to the first time having Mason. It felt very clinical, very medical and so serious, which it was, but so incredible as well. I had this feeling of, you know, I touched them all and I was like, you know, from Carson, I was wheeled to Carter and it was almost like, wow, okay, so I've got one baby. Then I was like, wow, I've got two. And then they took me to winter and it was like my first, you know, my, my little girl. I was like, I have a baby girl. Like, so not only have I got, you know, four children now, like I've got a little girl, like it was just so surreal. Oh my, I just... But being wheeled, like from one cot to another cot to, well, incubator. Made everything very real. Yeah, it was like, okay, there's one thing like carrying them and not being able to see them and actually physically see that this is, you know, my life now. But to fit like one baby, two baby, three babies and the revolving door that this would soon become, jumping between incubator to incubator was, you know, crazy. I like, I'm trying to um, kind of sum this process up because I reckon we could talk here for <laughs> yes. like hours in terms of... <laughs> Yeah. what happened next and everything else but let's kind of fast forward a little bit to like taking these three babies home and home life and and this sort of you've gone into motherhood again but on a whole new scale <laughs> like how did your life change from that moment taking those three babies home with mason so having four kids at the age of how old are you um so i was 29 so you're still so young as well yeah like how did your life just flip completely upside down <sighs> I mean, they were in hospital for two months. So that was really difficult. Like the hardest thing ever. So as much as a lot of people like will sort of say things like, which they don't mean, they don't realise it's harmful, but at the time they will say, oh, well, at least you're getting a rest. At least you're getting a break. You know, things to try and make the situation better. Mm. Um, my life very quickly became dealing with sort of Mason at home like trying to make things in life as normal and as fun for him at home but we just moved house then sort of juggling time between home with Mason hospital with the babies back and forward back and forward one thing that was like, I was constantly torn was like the I had three babies in hospital but I had Mason at home who was older and understood that mummy wasn't there mm. but then I had three babies in the hospital being handled by nurses and things when I wasn't there one of the hardest parts of the whole thing was leaving, leaving the hospital to go home to Mason because I felt like I had to be there for him, which I did. But walking out the hospital without your babies when you've had your baby is so hard. Mm. So emotionally, I was all over the place. My life, as much as everyone else around me was like celebrating this huge, you know, life-changing circumstance and all the joy that was to come and that was happening inside it was it was hell for me I was so torn under so much pressure trying to recover um life it wasn't the sort of bringing the babies home and the happily ever after that I anticipated it was so so difficult and I think that's why people really do love you Nadia because you do you do show that kind of 
the reality of the difficulties of being a mother is not an easy process, no matter if you've got triplets or just one baby boy or girl. Like yeah. it's, I can't even imagine how tough it can be. And I think that's why people really love your platform and, and what you're Thank about you. because you've got that level of honesty. So when did it become really sort of important for you to share that process with your like followers and stuff like when did you because obviously you're going through this really tough yeah. time when did you start to really like document obviously that's kind of what you're really well known for yeah. now how, how did that happen I mean there's a lot that I still haven't shared like about the journey and there was a lot you know when they were in the neonatal unit in their incubators I never ever shared that part of it online when they got moved to sort of the last stage of the neonatal unit um, they were reunited in a cot together and that was when I felt like, okay, this, everything's going to be okay. We're okay. And we started to share and, um, and it kind of gone, it went from there. So we got them home um, at the same time, which was great because often with multiples, you can have, you know, one or two babies discharged mm -hmm. at one time and then you have to wait for another. But we were so lucky. They all come home together. Um, so that was a huge relief. But I felt resentful. They, they'd spent two months in hospital with ultimately strangers. They were in the best possible hands, the most amazing, incredible people. But I was their mum and, you know, having to ask someone else, like, can I hold my baby? Can I feed them? Mm. Can I touch them? Like, when, you know, do they need their nappy change? Can I do this? Like, it's not natural. So I've spent two months asking strangers or phoning during the night. That was one of the hardest parts. I was at home with Mason, but I couldn't sleep because my baby, I had three babies in hospital who were just surrounded by beeping noises. Not me, not my voice, but other people's voices. I started to worry, like, what if they don't realize that I'm their mum because I'm not there? Then I was like, what if Mason like loses the bond with me because I'm there all the time? So I was so torn. So when I got them home, I was on autopilot. I had this huge adrenaline um, that sleep deprivation and all the emotion, everything weight, I suppressed it all because I was like, yes, I get them home. I get to be mum. I get to be the, the number one carer, the one that provides and does everything for them. And so with that, it was really hard because then I had all the friends and family that wanted to come and visit naturally you know mm. they've had these you've, they've known these triplets have been born these babies and they've never met them before because they've been in hospital um and neonatals a very controlled environment so only a few family members and a few close friends had met them so suddenly everyone wanted to be around and I was like I've not been able to just hold my babies and pick them up whenever I want so I started to feel like I was owed to this time with them mm. that I never had but then we went into lockdown a few weeks later and as sleep deprivation hit and the high of sort of having them home, the realisation of the task at hand, it was so practical. I mean, you're on no sleep, they're feeding every three hours, but we're up and bouncing about for Mason, visitors, everything. Like it quickly hits you how difficult this task at hand is. And then suddenly we were in lockdown. So where I had gone from wanting my own space and my privacy and just this quality one-on-one -on -one time with my babies at home, then it was a case of no one can come. No one can come and visit us. No one can help. We are now at home, stuck, isolated, only able to go on a small walk a day with no friends and family around us as we transition ourselves and Mason into this life with three newborn babies and yeah, 
that was when I was like, I wish we had help. Oh my God, like... So the they, whirlwind, it wasn't even like, it was so exciting getting them home, the biggest relief, but it's just, I can't sit and say, it was just incredible, it was amazing. And I mean, I would do it all again, I wish I could, <laughs> in, a, in a strange way, but it was hard going, but yeah, it wasn't It was But that's easy the reality of life, like it's not easy and it's not a fairy tale all the time. And especially having babies in a period of like lockdown, because I remember obviously yeah. my nephew Roman is a lockdown baby. And yes. we didn't meet him for, I think, properly for like the first six months, which is really tough. But I feel like one thing that we're not really touched on as well is your relationship to your body, for example, yeah. after motherhood was something that took a lot of understanding and, and getting used to. Yes. What was that like? Because obviously we live in a world where you see these new mums who are literally yes. looking perfect yes. and, and like they're straight back to their um, perfect bodies yes. literally within a couple of weeks after having babies and stuff like that. And that's not that's not the real life either. So what was that mm -hmm. process like for you in, in terms of getting used to your your new body, so to Oof. speak? So yeah, so that was a whole other ball game. I mean, in one hand, you're so grateful for all your body's done. Like I was immense, I am immensely proud of what my body's been capable of. And even just knowing what I've achieved sometimes pulls me out of rough moments because I think I've done that I'm capable of that I can do anything so when I really tap into that it helps me through but then like everyone you know we're all human we have doubts moments where it can manifest into something deeper and for me first time mum the changes in my body I just wasn't expecting I hadn't seen postpartum bodies as we do now as people celebrate real raw authentic bodies unfiltered unedited I hadn't seen that then so that was a shock and I thought my body was like in bits I thought it was ruined broken now I look back and I think oh that was amazing I looked amazing after having my firstborn I looked incredible but I didn't appreciate it Fast forward the triplet pregnancy I mean we've got abdominal separation at the minute I've got got a hernia I've got excess skin um, you name it stretch marks the lot like my stomach is just unrecognizable and you know I think it's important for me to also share that because you know on my social media it can you know anyone can sort of dress them up and present themselves and you never really see what's underneath whether it's mentally and emotionally or physically so I found it really important and also you know, it was more freeing for myself to kind of own the changes that had happened, you know, from the inside out so that I was living an authentic life and taking pressure off myself. So that's when I took to social media to sort of show my postpartum body after the triplets, like, look at this excess skin. You're seeing me with my makeup on, my outfits, my all these cute babies. But underneath it, I'm just like a normal, you know, mother who's gone through you know, these huge changes that are so normal, so perfectly normal, and I don't want to be ashamed of them. Starting that conversation really helped me accept the changes, but then also try to focus on, well, what, you know, what else don't I like? What can I change? What am I in control of? And that would be my mindset, how I look at my body. Um, I still have my days, you know, like I'm going up and up and down, where I think, oh, I feel so good in myself, but then other days I'm so hard on myself. And that's just going to come in waves. Throughout it all, I've realised it's a mindset. It isn't actually about the way I look. It's about the way I'm looking at myself. Before I had children, I used to pick myself apart constantly. 
I was so, so slim. I was, you know, so skinny as well. And I would take still pictures and, you know, post them and feel good. But you'd never catch me talking into a camera or... I was so insecure back then. And now my body has changed. It's like unrecognisable. I'm also tapping into that I'm more than just like the way my body looks a lot more, talking, you know, a lot kinder to myself in the mirror, trying to sort of push out negative thoughts with positive thoughts to enable myself to see through like the rough times and remember that it is about how I look at myself because I wasn't happy then. So if I wasn't happy then, what makes me think that looking a certain way would make me happier? Mm. You know, I think that's what's really shines through with you. It is about mindset and you've got this real lust for life in terms of you just want to keep getting stronger and you want to I keep do. improving. And obviously you've become a massive part of Food Thoughts now yes. and, and our community. And obviously what we represent as a brand is kind of that self-development space. We give people mm -hmm. a safe place to come in and go, you know what, we're all in the same boat together. We're all kind of like-minded and we're yes. all sort of passionate about working on ourselves. And I think that's what, you must get from sharing your story. You realise that you're not alone. And through you sharing your story, so many other people realise that they're not alone either. And and life is tough and, and motherhood is, is a full-on process. And right now you've just raised my whole sort of awareness around, <laughs> uh, I can't, I'm, I've just been hooked throughout the whole process and I'm so genuinely inspired. And I just want to say thank you. And just, and um, thank you. To, to kind of end it on a really like sort of positive note, like, how are the babies now and, and how is life oh, right now? Honestly, incredible. Like, I have been through so much and I would do it all again. We are more resilient than we give ourselves credit for as, like, people, as parents. And I think, yeah, everything's great. I've got four healthy, happy children. And if that isn't a reason to get up and fight for, you know, self-development and being the best version of myself I can possibly be for them to inspire them to be that kind of person, then, you know, like, I don't know. If you want to find out more about Nadia's story, please follow her on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Yes, hand it's Nadia underscore Thorburn. Yeah, so I feel like we've only just touched the iceberg, so please go and follow her socials to get the bigger picture. Yeah. But I just want to say thank you for being on my podcast yeah. and just inspiring me. Um, I'm really grateful. Wow, I am literally blown away by that story because for a young guy to try and resonate with a mother sometimes is so difficult but I feel like for the first time ever I got an insight into how it feels to be that maternal protector and Nadia just talks about it from such a raw and kind of honest position that it just gave me such appreciation for any mother out there and I'm just really grateful that she joined me today so thank you for listening I'm going to be back next week with another incredible guest, Steph Ellswood, who's going to be talking about her personal journey, how she overcame so many different issues with food and her mental health. And it's going to be a really inspirational episode. But until then, please continue to listen, like, follow and share my podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And I will see you back next week. And please don't forget to Instagram me with any of your takeaways from the podcast. It's at scott.thomas. Lots of love. <laughs>